You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Psalms. Here's Nate. Well, in turning to Psalm 134, I'm immediately reminded of the life of Enoch in the book of Genesis. And for me personally, the life of Enoch and the principles attached to that life have always stood as an important guide for my life personally. The story of Enoch is that he was a man who, it says in Genesis chapter 5, walked with God and he was not for God took him. In other words, there came a moment where Enoch did not die, but he was spiritually and physically translated into the presence of the of God, almost a personal rapture, uh, so to speak. And the phrase there is that he walked with God. And in walking with God, there was an agreement Agreement about where they were going, agreement about the route that they would take, and agreement about the speed at which they would pace themselves. But mostly, it seems, there was an agreement between God and Enoch about the results of walking with God. When speaking of Enoch in the book of Hebrews, it then goes on to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And Enoch was that kind of man. He believed, number one, that God exists. And secondly, he believed that God rewards those who seek him. And really what you have in the life of Enoch is a man who was invited by God into God's cycle of blessing. He believed God and he entered into that flow and that life of blessing. And really, that's what I want to talk to you about from Psalm 134, the entrance into God's blessing cycle. You know, the cross of Jesus Christ, it shows us God as a blesser who will bless, who because of the cross, we want to bless. And the disciple At this point in his pilgrimage, as this psalm is a psalm of ascent, he has been blessed intensely by God. And now the song is going to invite the disciples to go further into not only receiving God's blessing, but then responding to God's blessing by blessing God himself. But what we'll discover is that that blessing of God will lead to more blessings from God to be poured out upon the disciple. God is inviting us into his blessing cycle. So in a sense, I think Psalm 134 all boils down to this question. Do I believe God is a rewarder of those who seek him? Now the song is fairly simple, short, and straightforward. It's basically a conversation between the congregation and the priesthood. It goes like this. In verse 1, the congregation sings and says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands, verse 2, to the holy place and bless the Lord. And then it appears in verse 3 that the priests then reply, 
May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So it seems that the pilgrims are now leaving the temple. And as they're departing from the house of the Lord, perhaps for the final time during whatever festival they are present in Jerusalem for, they now turn and tell the priests who are going to remain, and especially, distinctly, the priests who serve during the night watches, they tell them, hey, you, as we're leaving, we want you to continue to bless God. Continue to praise him, continue to worship him, continue to honor him. And then the priests, in turn, pronounce a blessing from God upon the people. So let's consider this in a few different parts today. First of all, let's consider the invitation. What does it mean to bless God? That's the invitation. Come, bless the Lord all you servants of the Lord. And then at the end of verse two, again, it's repeated. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. What does it mean for us to bless God, to bless the Lord? Well, the simplest definition is that to bless means to praise. It means to speak words of excellence about God. Now, that is actually our definition of blessing God. His definition of blessing us goes much further than that. It's not praise, but it's service. It's ministry. It's the betterment of our lives uh, as a result of God blessing our lives. But here, for us to bless the Lord is in large part a verbal activity that flows from a heart feeling and response to God. The mouth is to give way to the rest of the body. And so the hands and the feet and the legs, you know, are to give themselves to a life spent blessing the Lord, praising the Lord, thanking the Lord, living in thanks of the Lord. Now this invitation, we must understand, is the best purpose of mankind. The Westminster Catechism said that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And here in blessing the Lord, there is that part of glorifying God and also enjoying God, celebrating God, delighting over God, being in fascination of God. God is not a figure that we are to be in a constant wrestling match with, constantly trying to whittle down to our expectations and understanding, but a mysterious and infinite and all-wise and powerful being that we ought to be a people who celebrate. And when we come to places in our lives where we cannot really understand what's happening and how God's sovereignty is mixing together with the events of our current lives. We're to celebrate the mystery of God rather than have a fearless attitude about God where we criticize him and critique him and grade his performance. No, our best 
purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, it's important also to notice that this is not just our best purpose, but it is our response to God's blessing upon our lives. In other words, to praise the Lord, to speak words of excellence about the Lord, really can only be done after receiving blessings from the Lord. And ultimately, the blessing that leads us to be a people who then turn to praise God, to bless God, is the great blessing of the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross shows us God as a God who blesses, as the source of all blessing. So my praise of God is a response to God. And not only is it a response to God, but as we've seen previously in these Psalms, it is enabled by the new nature that God has given. It is empowered by the spirit that God has given. It leads to the best life possible. And as I praise him and bless him, it unleashes more of God's blessings upon my life. So this blessing of God is a grace response that unlocks even more grace from God upon our lives. But not only is this invitation our best purpose and our response, but it is also our decision. James said in James chapter 3 verse 9 that with our tongues we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. In other words, the tongue can be used to bless God. The tongue can be used to curse people. And we could also say that the tongue can be used to curse God or to bless people. The concept there is that the tongue can go in either direction. And our decision must be a decision that says, God, I will bless your holy name. So this is a little bit about the invitation to come and to bless the Lord. Now, we would then have to move on into number two, saying that we must accept the invitation of God to bless him. I mean, this is what this, these singers are singing. They're singing to the servants of the Lord, and they're inviting them. Hey, bless the Lord. Come, bless the Lord. Well, we're gone, bless the Lord. And in the night, bless the Lord. And while we're traveling, bless the Lord. Do not stop, you servants of the Lord, blessing the Lord. We are trusting that you are going to do your job and that you are going to bless the Lord. Now, that might appear to us at first glance like an exhortation to the spiritual leaders in our lives to be godly people, spiritual people who bless the Lord. But when you think about it, in the New Testament economy, the Bible teaches us that we are all priests of God. He says in 1 Peter 2 verse 5 that we are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So all of us being built up to be a holy priesthood to, listen to this, offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then later in verse 9, after reaffirming that concept about the holy priesthood, he says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you 
out of darkness into his marvelous light. The idea is simple. The pilgrims are singing to the priests and saying, you represent God. You have access to God. Act like it. Be who you are. Now, that exhortation to the priests is an exhortation that we must apply into our own hearts and lives and minds today. We now, as priests of the Lord, we represent God and we have access to God and we must use it. We must act like it. We must be who we are. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, after declaring these beautiful promises of who we are and the identity that we have, he said, I therefore urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Our calling is a high calling. Our calling is a beautiful calling. And we are invited up to that calling to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. This invitation is a continual one. It is an opportune uh, invitation from God for all times, but it is also a command of the Lord. Come, bless the Lord. You belong to him. Act like it. Be who you are. Represent the identity that God has given to you. So we are invited to accept the invitation to be blessers of God. Now, beyond that, Beyond accepting the invitation, we should also see here that there is something about blessing God when it is difficult to do so. Blessing God when it is difficult to do so. You see, they sing this song to the priests, the servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. These pilgrims, as they were departing from their worship in the temple, Sing to the night shift priests, exhorting them to bless God in the night. We learn in the Old Testament that there were some priests who were there during the night watches, keeping the flame of the menorah or candlesticks within the temple burning, the altar burning. And they sing to them and say, look, you need to keep blessing the Lord, even at the night. Now, of course, there would be a natural danger that would lurk in the nighttime. You see, it had been a long day. And in the night, there's a little less energy around God's house, a little less emotion, a little less passion, much less people. And in that time, there was a danger that lurked. Our priests were in danger of becoming listless, without desire, indifferent to God, to become careless in their service of him. Perhaps you've noticed how this can happen even in the course of your own natural life. How a long day or a skipped meal or 10 extra degrees on the temperature gauge can put us into danger zone. It can bring us into a state of apathy or irritation. 
But we must be a people who learn to bless God, even when it is difficult to do so. Jesus, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, modeled for us the battle between feelings and submission. He was feeling overwhelmed at the possibility of the cross that lay before him. And he said, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That was the voice of emotion. That was the voice of feeling. There was nothing wrong with it, but he went beyond it. He went beyond the longings. He went beyond the desire. He went beyond the feelings. And he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We all have longings and desires and feelings, but they cannot be the source of our identity. And so often, when things get difficult, our desire is to avoid. But the exhortation of the people to the priests is that they would engage. We might say, I don't like that person. So here's my response. I will avoid them. But the pilgrim, the disciple, the life of maturity says, I don't like that person, so I will engage them. I believe that in engaging them, there will be a like, an affinity, a love for them, a compassion, a sympathy that grows within my heart. The mature believer says, I don't understand the Bible, so rather than saying, I will avoid it. They say, so I will engage it. Instead of saying, I don't feel like church, so I will avoid it. They say, so I will engage it. Rather than saying, I don't feel strong in prayer, so I will avoid it. They say, so I will engage it. So much of the Christian life boils down to this question. Will you be an avoider or will you be an engager? As it says in Lamentations chapter 2, Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. There is the need to bless God when it is difficult to do so. Now next, I want to ask you to consider ways to bless God. A bit of a practicum, if you will, about blessing the Lord. Because here in the song, they tell the servants of the Lord to, in the house of the Lord, lift up their hands to the holy place of the Lord and to bless the Lord. All of this was worship that was done in the manner that God had prescribed. God had wanted them to lift their hands. God had invited them into this temple which had flowed from the tabernacle which he had prescribed for Moses on Mount Sinai. He had built the priesthood. This wasn't their own personal invention, but something that God himself had created and done. And he had told them to move the tabernacle permanently as a temple to Jerusalem and that he would allow his presence to exist in Jerusalem. All of this was authored by the Lord. And the believers are saying, take the avenues that God has prescribed and run in them, move in them. These weren't sacred pathways that the 
worshipers invented for themselves. We feel like lifting up our hands or we feel like going to a holy house or we feel like having a priesthood or we feel like being in Jerusalem. No, these were things that God had put his stamp, his seal of approval upon. And in the Bible, we have many ways in which we can bless the Lord. I want to briefly, as a practicum, give you 10 of them right now. Number one is a way that we would often think of prayer. And especially in this song, praising prayer. You know, prayer that just talks to God, that communes with God, that fellowships with God, that speaks to God. Number two, we have Bible study. The wrestling with, the engaging with the word of God, letting our minds be filled with the word of God. One word that's used throughout the Bible is the word meditate, which is unfortunately an often misunderstood word by our culture because we so often think of meditate as emptying our minds. Look, when you empty your mind, you are preparing your mind for deception. But in the Bible, meditation is less of emptying the mind and more of filling the mind with something that you're meditating on, that being the Bible, the Word of God. And so to study the Word of God. Number three, we have worship in song as a spiritual discipline that God has established as a means of grace, a way in which we can pursue the Lord. Number four, there is the spiritual discipline of fellowship with believers. Fellowship with believers. Making sure that there is time and space within our hearts and lives to have real, hard, open, honest fellowship with significant other Christians operating uh, continually in our lives. Number five, there is also the spiritual discipline of fasting. To go before God and to say, God, I am going to neglect the appetite I have for food for a set period of time with the express purpose of seeking you, feeling my weakness, afflicting my soul with this lack of food and crying out to the living God. Number six, there is secrecy in good deeds. Jesus said not to let one hand know what the other hand is doing for the Lord. That's hyperbole. It's a way of Christ being able to say, look, there are ways for you to do your good works to be seen by men. So do them in ways to where you're not self-advertising. Do a secret good work. Give a gift. Bless a person. Uh, Help them with a bill without ever them even knowing that it's been done. Number seven, there is the spiritual discipline of generosity, of opening up our wallets as we open up our hearts and being a generous people. God has told us that there is a power that comes from him as we invest that seed well. The Father, God himself, will bless us with more seed to be able to invest in his kingdom. Number eight, There is the practice of solitude, to be alone before the Lord. And number nine is similar to that in that we should sometimes be silent before God, the discipline of silence before God. And then finally, number 10, confession, to confess our sins to God, 
but to confess our sins as well to one another. Now, when I give that list, I understand the tendency of mankind. We hear of prayer and study and worship and fellowship and fasting and good deeds and generosity and solitude and silence and confession. And we immediately begin to imagine that we are, have embraced a gospel-less religion. But the reality is that we are not doing these things to manipulate God at all. To manipulate in him into blessing us. He has merely said, these are some of the ways that I am operating on earth. I want you to imagine the Holy Spirit, the blessing of God, like the wind. And these disciplines like sails on a ship. You put the sails up, not to earn anything, but to catch something. And it is the spirit, the the wind, the move of God that we want to catch. To build on that analogy, Dave Kraft in his book, Leaders Who Last, said, practicing spiritual disciplines is like sailing. You're putting your sails up to catch a bit of what God is doing upon the earth. Now, finally, we must understand that in living this way, in blessing God, and pursuing God, and seeking God, and walking with God. As we saw in Hebrews eleven six, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what we must have is an expectation of grace. And that's where verse 3 comes in. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. The pilgrims are done asking the priests to pursue God. Now the priests announce to the pilgrims that God, his blessing, is going to come upon your life. Now this is beautiful because our pilgrims have ascended to Jerusalem. They've gone all the way up for the worship of God. They have likely hoped in their hearts that the blessing of God would flow upon their lives. And now the priests, as they speak it, are pronouncing a blessing that God is into. The pilgrims have certainly found the blessing of God. And this is beautiful because so many of the mountaintops that we pursue in our modern lives, we think there will be a blessing at the top, but there is none. Emptiness finds us in that place. But God is a blessing God. And as we seek him, there is true satisfaction and blessing that is there. Now, the thing is, That as we bless God, we must understand God is blessed already. Nothing is lacking in him. So when I'm blessed by him, I am added to. I, I cannot add to God when I bless him. He's already blessed. He's the blessed forever, 2 Corinthians 11, 31. He's the blessed and only sovereign, 1 Timothy 6, 15. We call this the independence of God. He does not need anything, Acts 17, 25. Job 41.11, who has first given to me that I should repay him, God asks. So here what the priests are saying is, this God, who in a sense you cannot add anything to, as you bless him, he then unleashes his gracious, beautiful blessing upon your life. He stoops to bless you. He enters into your need and gets into your skin. He bestows his massive blessing on us in this cycle of blessing. And potentially, the proposal here is that a bit of God's independence comes into our own 
hearts, comes into our own lives. And he's the creator, the priests sing. He's the one who made heaven and earth. So he knows our design. He knows what will bless us. And he's designed us with a capability to enjoy him. So have an expectation of grace, an expectation of God's blessing flowing, poured out upon your heart and life. Now, in concluding this little section, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, we must recall that the first word in Psalm 120 had to do with distress. And the final word has to do with blessing. To go from distressed to blessed, you must enter into the disciple life, the disciple journey. You must choose to walk with God. And as you do, these principles will drive your life forward and you will go from a place of being distressed to blessed by God. God bless you and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.